All right. Well, good morning, Carpenter's Way and those uh, visiting. Uh, thank you for, uh, for joining us. Let me just say a few words about uh, our decision to go to live stream. Uh, we're a little bit different than churches. We don't, uh, other churches who have been around a long time is that uh, uh, we don't have a huge hallway. Our hallways are about six feet wide, and uh, we, have a, we don't really have much of a foyer. Our room is smaller because we have two services. And so that, that puts people together uh, very tightly. Everybody did great. But also, I, I think it's our part as, uh, um, as people, a, a, a Christian community, within Mid-County that we uh, do our part to help with this pandemic, and, and this is one of them. Uh, and I tell you, I got, I got some great emails and some great text and information about, uh, um, you know, thank you for doing this. Uh, but, you know, you also receive those uh, that are unhappy with that decision. But let me help everybody understand. First of all, the, the governments, I, I told somebody the other day, I don't understand where all this is coming from, that the government is trying to stop us from uh, um, worshiping. They're not. And nobody's asked us. Uh, no government, no official ever called me but, uh, and said, hey, we're going to start pushing you guys back. That's not happening. I, I don't know where that's coming from in America. I told somebody the other day that I think some of, it, some of us, you know, we're fearful to watch the media because of all the fake news that we hear about, which is true. Um, but also, I think sometimes we also fall for those who live in fear. And uh, I, I, we just don't live in fear. We have no fear. And I even uh, jokingly uh, said to somebody that uh, I think before that happens, uh, Texas will secede. <laughs> and uh, Oklahoma will join us. And so will Arkansas. And we'll have... Uh, <laughs> We'll do fine, and we'll be a conservative uh, uh, community that allows. No, that's not going to happen, but if it did, but one thing, we would have trade deals with uh, Louisiana to make sure that we get plenty of crackling. So those are things that people are texting me about, about, uh, hey, this is part of a, a government. I, I just don't sense that. Um, and also, we make decisions that are based on things that you don't know. And uh, uh, when you put eight men in a conversation about what to do after uh, a little rise in, in COVID, we're going to catch COVID. It's just, it's, it's just going to happen. But when you put eight of your elders that you have trusted for 10 years um, into a conversation and all of you unanimously agree that this is something we could do to support our community, I listened to that. Uh, I believe it was the right thing to do, and in three weeks, we'll look at it and see what's, uh, what's happening. And um, remember, we want to be a part of the solution, not the problem. And our building is, is smaller. So, and I just wanted to kind of speak on that, let y'all know everything's good. Nobody's telling us what to do. And I have not lost my freedom to speak, and I will not lose my freedom to speak. I'll die for my faith if I have to, but nobody's asking me to do that right now. It's simply just trying to help out uh, um, this uh, little uh, pandemic that's going on. Well, we're moving through uh, Exodus, and uh, what we're doing is, remember, I just want to remind you how I'm laying out Exodus from a, a point of what is each chapter telling us ab uh, about. So I want to remind you this, 
that, uh, first of all, chapter 1 talked about the fact that God is our promise keeper. Chapters 2 through 10, which we're working on right now, is talking about God our champion. And what you're about to see uh, as we look through uh, um, verses 7 through about 11, or 10, the, the end of 10, is you're going to see God champion his people by sending uh, these plagues uh, to make sure that his people are uh, uh, taken care of, that they're going to get out of this slavery. And so we know that about chapters 2 through 10. And then just to remember, when we get chapters 11 through 13, we're going to see God as our deliverer. That's when he pulls the people out of Egypt and finally Pharaoh lets them go. And then through that process of that, in that wilderness time, we see that God is our uh, protective provider. He provides manna. He provides food. So as you're breaking these chapters down, and I know you're reading a little bit faster than we're going, because we're uh, trying to hit on a lot of different things. But just remember, as you read it, to put those things down, that he's really shown us his prote- our protector and our provider. And then the next one is where he gives us Ten Commandments, and he begins to lay down this law. This is how I want you to live. This is how uh, I want you to, to think. And this uh, is the first time we look at this moral compass that God has given us. And then uh, the end of it is to leave that, that God is our source, source of worship because he's brought us through all this. Now, uh, so I want, I want you to know, remember that Exodus reminds us, me that God is my promise keeper. He's my champion. He's my deliverer. Uh, he will protect and provide uh, 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 and continue to be my more compass through life. And he is worthy of my worship. Now, I want you to know that this all points to the gospel. Uh, and here's how I want you to see it. That God, uh, it all points to the gospel. That he's our promise keeper. If you look through the, provis- uh, the prophecies that were fulfilled through Jesus, that's just showing again promise keeper. The genealogy, genealogies that you read that you get bored with, uh, those are all part of God being his promise keeper. Look, it says this in Matthew 1.17. Most of us read over this. We don't realize that this is God saying, hey, I have prepared this. I'm the promise keeper from the time of Abraham on, and I'm true to my word. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David to deportation of the uh, Babylon, 14 generations. And here it is. And from deportation of Babylon to the Messiah are 14 generations. So he's our promise keeper. Uh, then I also want you to see that uh, he's our champion. He went to the cross for us. He went to the cross and he died. And what he did, and I believe in the wrath of God, and I know that, uh, uh, that a lot of people don't like to preach about the wrath of God. When it's teachable, I'll teach it. I am no longer under the wrath of God. If you have confessed Christ, you're no longer under the wrath of God. But we need to understand that uh, all this points to the fact that Jesus was our champion and went to the cross and he took the wrath of God. He became our righteousness. Just to remind you, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and ungodliness of men who suppress the truth of unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made, made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so, they, uh, so that they are without excuse. You see, he became uh, uh, our righteousness. He took on the full wrath of God. And that's the gospel. And, and uh, then he became uh, our deliverer. That, uh, he became our moral compass. He gave us the word. He became our protector, 
and our provider. He sent us the Holy Spirit. Remember when Jesus said, before he left, he said in John 16, he said, it is to your advantage that I go away. Why? Because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And when you look at Exodus, it's a beautiful picture of the gospel. It says that he became a protector provider. He sent us Holy Spirit. And then he became our moral compass. And today he's left us the word of God to help us live. And it's not a law, it's just how we should live. And if you, if you just kind of put that right next to Exodus, then you'll see that it's a picture of the gospel. He became a moral compass, and he wants our worship. He is worthy of our worship. So, uh, remember it says in John chapter 16, 7, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, he, the helper, will not come to you, but if I go away, I will send him to you. And then he left us his word. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for correction, for training, and righteousness. So when we read Exodus, it's a beautiful picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ that saved us. And if we confess that uh, Christ is our Lord and Savior, uh, that is the only thing that is going to make us righteous, that we are no longer under the wrath of God. And while we are righteous, we should still trust the Holy Spirit. We should still trust him to, to lead us through the reading of his word. So today we're going to look at Exodus chapter 6, verses 29. Uh, really, uh, you can turn to Acts, uh, Exodus 7. Uh, we're going to look at that. Uh, and I want to show you the points as we go through this. Uh, first of all, what I want you to learn today is that I am God and you are not. This is what God is telling Pharaoh. Listen, Pharaoh. I am God and you are not. So uh, it says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I am the Lord, speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I speak to you. He's sitting there saying, listen, I want you to go tell him I am God. I know that Pharaoh thinks he's a God, but he is not a God. I am God. I am the only true God. I'm the only living God. I am God and you are not, is what he's telling Pharaoh. And the next thing I want you to see is that he was telling me, look, these are my people. They're not yours. They're not your slaves. And, and, and I'm going to get them back. Look in 7.1. Then, uh, then the Lord said to Moses, See, I make you as a God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be my prophet. He said, I'm about to send you, and you're going to be uh, the words of my mouth, and your brother's going to speak that. And it says, uh, you shall speak all that I command you. And your brother Aaron shall speak to Pharaoh that he let the sons of Israel go. See, this is him saying, these are my, these are my children. You've had them in slavery long enough. I'm God. You're not. These are my people. They are not yours. And I love this one that we're going to see is that you may think you're in control, but I am. And it says, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart. It's God who hardens Pharaoh's heart. And that's very hard for us to understand, but there are times where God allows things to happen so that he can have his glory. Uh, it's one of, the, uh, one of the number of times that God made this statement. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart that I may multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. Um, and then it says, when Pharaoh does not listen to you, then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring out my host and my people, the sons of Israel from the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that, listen to this, I am the Lord. And when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the sons of Israel from their midst. So Moses uh, did Aaron 
so Moses and Aaron did it as the Lord commanded them. Thus they did. And I just want to throw in this because I think it's real interesting that um, Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 when, when they spoke to Pharaoh. And these two uh, sage men walk up to Pharaoh and they deliver these messages uh, uh, that uh, God is in control. These are not your people. He is the Lord. And you're going to have to let them go. And uh, then we know that that's when these plagues uh, started happening. It's the, the plagues of blood and frogs and gnats and flies, and the livestock begin to die, and, and uh, hail comes, and boil comes, and, and fire rains down, and locusts, and darkness, and then the death of the firstborn. It says, uh, so I want you to know, I am God, you're not. These are my people, they are not yours. Uh, you may think you are in control, but I am. And then I want you to see this. Uh, and I think this speaks true. All of this is going to be wrapped up in a little bit just to show you that even today, this is what God is doing. And the next one is, your arrogance toward God will cost you. And there are a lot of people who, who are arrogant toward God today. They don't believe there's a God. Uh, they believe anybody who follows Jehovah God is a fool. And I want you to see that uh, Pharaoh thought he was a god. Pharaoh thought he was in control. Pharaoh thought that all those people were his, but they weren't. And so we find that it says the fish, this is the, the plagues begin to happen. The fish that were in the Nile died and the Nile became foul. Remember, he turned it to blood so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile and the blood was through all the land of Egypt. But the musicians, and I love this, several times this happened, but the musician, uh, ma magicians and, uh, not musicians, magicians in Egypt did the same with their secret arts. I think it's funny that uh, there's all this blood, and they went ahead and said, oh, we can do that too, and they made more of a problem for themselves. And it says this, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Now remember, God did that, but here's what he did, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had said, and this is arrogance. Then Pharaoh turned and went into his house with no concern even for this. There are people all over the world today, in America, uh, in, all over the world, that are, they're arrogance toward God. They're very arrogant toward God. They're arrogant toward God's people. And I want you to know that anybody who is arrogant toward God, he still wants them to come to that living faith. He still wants them to say, listen, I know you made me, uh, and I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to be obedient, and I'm going to confess Christ and believe that you're the only Lord. But if you don't, your arrogance toward God will cost you. It will cost you. And last, the next thing I want you to learn is that I will have my glory is what God's saying. Uh, uh, he walked away from God, and that was a very arrogant. He was saying, I am God, not you. And when we say we don't need anybody to control us, uh, we don't need anybody to help us. When I say control, I'm talking about, I'm talking about to give us wisdom, give it, to give us uh, uh, what we need to make it through life, to help us with decisions. That's why he left the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And to say that we don't, I can do life on my own, I don't need God, there is no God, is very, very arrogant. You need to be very, very careful. It will come back to you, uh, and it will cost you. And then God said, I'll have my glory. It says, for the time, in verse 9, chapter uh, 9, verse 14, it says, for this time I will send all my plagues on you, and your servants, and your people, so that you may know 
that there is no one like me in all the earth. See, that's his glory. It says, for, uh, for, uh, for by now, I had put forth my hand and, and, and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would then have been cut off from the earth. He said, I could have killed every one of you. But indeed, for this reason, I have allowed you to remain in order to show you my power and in order to proclaim my name through all the earth. And then look at verse uh, 10, verse one and two. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants that I may perform these signs of mine among them. In other words, he wants his glory. He wants them to know I am God. Now, let me, uh, well, let me read this next verse. It says, uh, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and, the, and your grandson, how I made a mockery of the Egyptians and how I performed my signs among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. Look at how I did it. Even he wants Moses and all the people to tell stories that will point to nobody else but God. I'm the one that brought you through. Now, uh, one day when, uh, uh, let's see, uh, I, I, I'm trying to remember the hurricane. I think it was Rita uh, came through and wiped uh, out a lot of stuff. And I was still uh, speaking full time. And I was, I was sitting at a church and I had spoke at a disciple now weekend from Friday through Saturday and su- Sunday morning. And then I was sitting in the service. And I was amazed that the pastor that was speaking was talking about how God is the one that made um, Rita come through to clear out all the bad stuff in this southeast Texas and Louisiana area. I found that, first of all, to be very arrogant. I would never suggest that that's why that happened. I would never say that's why that happened because I don't know the mind of God. But I know it bothered me that it was said. But in the back of my mind, I also know that God is sovereign and in control. And he did allow that. So all that, all that death all that pain through that hurricane, and then we have floods. Well, there's a lot of people out there even talking that this coronavirus virus is from God. I would never say that because I don't know. And I think to say it very clearly that this is God uh, is to be arrogant and to put yourself in his way of thinking. Let me help all of you understand something. We will never know uh, how God thinks. We will never know Uh, when God's coming back. Even people saying, uh, I've been reading it on Facebook, oh, the time is near. (laughs) You don't know the time is near. You don't know that. And be very careful. And sometimes I wonder if, if God, every time somebody says it or writes it, God goes, no, you will not back me in a corner. So I was going to come yesterday, but now I'm not because you said I'm going to, I'll come when I want to come. I will deliver things upon this earth when I want to deliver them. And so some of the things that we experience are simply because they happen. But it all goes back to the sin. If I believe it was a time that we were in the garden, would we have had storms? Yes. Uh, He created the weather. So you say, well, what are you saying? Uh, uh, I want you to know that no matter what God does, we as believers need to be very careful that we take the mouthpiece of God and we make it our own. Because you do not know the mind of the Lord. You do not know the day he's coming back. You don't know the way it's tomorrow or in 15 minutes or in five. God, 
Uh, it's kind of like that old, old, old uh, uh, movie. Uh, uh, you can't push God in the corner, you know? Don't put God in a corner. You can't do it. And when you do that, it will cost you. And there are many people that had said God was coming back this day and this day. And you know what? Because they thought that they could say something on God's account of a specific date or a specific illness or a specific storm. Because they did that, they have lost a lot of credibility. And so I am not here as a pastor to tell you that it's not possible that God can do this. But I do know this. If it is God, and I'm not saying it is, but if it is God, it's for our good. If it is God, look at what we're doing now. We, uh, we, listen, when we had a hurricane or a storm or something go out or ice or whatever it was down here, people couldn't come to church. They wouldn't come to church. And we never thought about doing just a live stream service. Why? Could this have been one of the reasons that God said, listen, I want you people to start using these airways. Well, now when a storm comes, I know that as long as I have internet access and you have internet access, I can be up in North Texas and still be able to speak to you the gospel and teach his word to you. Who knows? Maybe it's for us as believers to, uh, to help people understand that God is still in control. Maybe it's because anxieties are so high that God's trying to lower them. Maybe it's because families haven't sat down and ate together forever and now they're actually being together. Maybe marriages have been stronger. So I want you to know that all this stuff that, that God brought upon the people uh, with all these locusts and all these, uh, these plagues, man, that was God. And he wants his glory. So if we say this is God, then I'm going to tell you something. He wants his glory. And all the same things that we read earlier are the same things that he wants today. He wants you to know that uh, you are his people. If you've accepted Christ, if you confess Christ, you and I are his people. They're nobody else's. COVID can't, even if I get it and die, or, or you, listen, uh, that COVID is not my God. God is my God, and he will get his glory. We are his people. And so that's what I want us to learn in this time uh, today. But I, if I were to name this uh, 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 message, it would be this, all is well in Goshen. I want you to notice the number of times. Now, we're going to read through this, and I'm going to show you that Goshen was the land that, or the area where all the Israelites lived. It was, a, it was Goshen. Uh, they just stayed in Goshen. And listen, while all these plagues are going on, a lot of the Hebrews, the Israelites, they were in Goshen, and they were watching. So it says this, Watch this, Exodus 8, verse 21. For if you do not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and you and your servants and on your people and into your houses and the houses of the Egyptians will be full of swarms of flies and also the ground on which they dwell. Watch this. But on that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people are living. Why? So that no swarms of flies will be there in order that you may know that I, the Lord, in the midst of the land. So while all those people are getting attacked by flies, can you just see these people, the Israelites, can you just see them looking from Goshen and they just see swarms and they're with their kids and their grandfather and their grandmother and they're, and they're just looking at this havoc that's, that's being wreaked on these people. And they're just watching it because all is well in the land of Goshen. Well, let me tell you something. All is well in the land of Christianity. There's a lot of things going on about here. 
But we stand under the umbrella of God and his love and his righteousness and his grace. And we will look from afar and see. And if death should take us, we are still under that righteousness. We are not under that wrath. It says, but the Lord will, um, will make a distinction between the livestock. Here's where the livestock, they started a pestilence with sin. It said, there will be a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. And so that nothing will die of all that belongs to the sons of Israel. Can you imagine being a cow <laughs> or a, a llama or whatever it is that is looking at the other cows just dropping and your cows are fine, Right? Everything's good. All is well in Goshen. All is well in my heart. All is well. There is no fear. It's like what we wrote when the elders decided fear was not a factor of us doing what we're doing because all is well, all is well at Carpenter's Way. All is well. It says the hell struck when the hell came and the fire, the hell struck and all that was in the, the field through the land of Egypt, both men and beasts. The hell also struck every plant of the field and shattered every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the sons of Israel were, there was no hell, no fire. Man, can you imagine that? So you've seen this swarm of flies. Now I want you to remember this. You've seen this swarm of flies. You've seen this hell and fire come down. You're watching cattle die. You're watching a city be destroyed. You're watching all this and nothing's touching you. And I want to remind you, which we will later, even after they saw all that while in the wilderness, they lost their faith and trust in God. And I want you to know we must never do that. With everything that's going on, I have not lost my faith and trust in God. He is still sovereign. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky and there was a thick darkness. Even when the darkness came in all the land of Egypt for three days, says they did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from the place for three days, but all the sons of Israel had light in their dwellings. Isn't that something? They sit there and watch that. Now what you need to know is that among these Hebrews among the Israelites were also Egyptian people who were with them. And we know this. I'll show you a verse in just a few minutes that are watching them. These people that have to follow the rule of Egypt probably saw something in the Israelites and they believed in that God. And when those 600,000 people left, I truly believe based on scripture that many people, many Egyptians went with them. And we'll show you that. So the bloods and the frogs and the flies and the livestock uh, uh, die and the boils and the hell and the fire and the locusts and the darkness and the death. In scripture, uh, nothing is said about Goshen with the blood and the frogs and the boils and the locusts. So you say, well, some people say, well, that is to say that they had to live through that. Okay. Maybe they did. Maybe they saw the locusts come through. I personally don't think so. But they may or may not have gone through all uh, the Nile turning the blood, the frogs, the boils, or locusts. But if they did, I want you to know something about being a believer. Is that uh, suffering always accompanies freedom. And there are times that, uh, that even uh, with the Israelites, they had to suffer to eventually get their freedom. And even while they were in the desert and it was hot and they walked hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles, 
their suffering would eventually get their freedom. And I want you to know in our minds, our anxieties, whatever it is that you're suffering through, suffering always accompanies freedom, right? If I know Jesus Christ and, and, and something happens to me and that suffering brings glory to God, I'm still going to be free on the other side. That's the good thing. That is the great thing about God. So, here, here you are in Goshen, and everything's wonderful, and you're watching all this, and they're seeing all this, and they see, finally, we, we know that they were let go. And I want to I tell you something. Uh, when something bad happens to somebody, some people rejoice at that. That's not biblical. That's not the way that God wants us to live. There have been many people that something bad has happened to, and we go, we see, that's what you get. And I imagine there were some who didn't feel that way because they had Egyptian friends, and I imagine there were some Israelites that looked at him and thought, you deserve this. We have, you have put us through this for so long. You deserve it. I want you to know that Scripture says this. It says in Proverbs 24, 17, don't rejoice when your enemies fail. Don't be happy when they stumble. For the Lord will be displeased with you and will turn his anger away from them. Be very careful. Uh, and you know, uh, and, and one of the things that I, I want you to see is that uh, in, the, in the Talmud, even God prevented the angels from singing uh, uh, in the Talmud, there's a, there's a writing that teaches, and it's uh, when the people were brought out of the Red Sea, and it says that God prevented the angels from singing because God's handiwork had drowned in the sea. In other words, God, God doesn't want bad things to happen, but we make our choices. And this is where I want you to know that people are watching us as we go through COVID. People are watching us as statues are being torn down and we're looking at police uh, stations being torn apart and everything. But I want you to know people are watching us who are on the edge of believing. And so we need to be careful that we don't taunt when something bad happens to somebody. It says this. This is how I know. It says a mixed multitude also went up with them. This is Exodus 12 when they began to make the Exodus. Now, Stay with me. Almost done. A mixed multitude also went up with them, along with the flocks and the herds and a very large number of livestock. In other words, through this process, if you are strong and you understand that God is with us, just like he was with the Israelites who stood and watched. Guys, we may have an empty room, but we've got people watching. The gospel is being poured out all over the place. Things will get back to what, what we like when we're all together. But have your faith in God. Did he do this? I don't know. Did he allow it? Apparently, yes. If he allows it, God is sovereign, I still believe. I'm not going to whine about it. I'm not going to uh, be upset about it. I'm simply going to say, hey, God, this is your world. These are your people. This is your myth. Thank you for loving this part of it. And I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to speak good things over people. I'm going to speak the truth. 
I will not walk away from what is wrong. I will not walk away from the fact that there are people under the wrath of God. And I know this. I will be from teaching about sin. But when things feel bad for them, I will not lord over them. I will not say that's good that these things are happening to these people. They deserve it. I will not say America's getting what it's deserved because I don't know your mind and I don't know your way, but I know your way and your mind is greater than mine. I will trust you. So here's what I want you to walk away with. I am God and you are my people. This is what we need to remember. Unbelievers, world leaders, COVID and fear may think that they are in control they are wrong. I am in control. Their arrogance against me will come at a cost and I will have my glory. That is the faith I want the people of Carpenter's Way to have. That is the faith that I want the people of this world who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior to have. Let me read it again. God is saying to us, I am God and you are my people. Unbelievers, world leaders, and COVID may think that they are in control, but they are wrong. I, their arrogance against me will come at a cost. I will have my glory. I want to close with a scripture, and then uh, we'll be dismissed, uh, which nobody's here, but you can leave your house Go back in and you can be dismissed. Well, we do have people here. Hey, Mike, sorry about that. You're a person. Um, and all of you are too. All right, look at this scripture. In Psalm 115, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but your name goes all the glory for your unfaithfulness. Why let the nation say, where is their God? Look, our God is in the heavens. And he does as he wishes. Let me pray for you. And then I hope you have a great day. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this wonderful story of Exodus that points to your gospel. Thank you that you are in control. Help us to have faith in that. Thank you that uh, you love us and protect us and provide us. And you're our champion. Thank you, Father, for bringing through us, our, our own, uh, what we might consider a plague, but we know that you're in control. And we know that even though there may be suffering, at the end of it is freedom in your presence. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a great day.